0: Hello, and welcome to Words on Film, the spoken word podcast dedicated to moving pictures. I'm Dan Burke, your host and movie critic, and I'm here to tell you exactly what I think of some of the latest movies out right now. For this show, I have three new movies to review for you. Two of them are brand new from the weekend of August 18th through August 20th. 2023. And this was one of those weeks where there were so many new movies that came out and I had very little time to watch many of them. But I'm going to probably play a little bit of catch up for next week's show to get those other movies that aren't going to be quite as new. But for a lot of you who don't go to the movies as much as I do, they will be brand new to you. But I am going to go with, or review rather, the movie that is probably going to be the highest-grossing new movie of this week, maybe. Uh, At least that's just my guess. The first movie I'm going to be reviewing for you is Strays. This is a film about talking dogs and it makes it very clear from the poster especially with the Boston Terrier in the movie holding the rating in his mouth, literally that this movie is not for kids. Now, I do remember when I was a kid and there was a movie that came out that wasn't for kids but had sort of a childlike appeal. Either it had cartoon characters in it or it had stars in it that would appeal to kids, and the those kinds of movies were forbidden, and when they were forbidden, kids like me really, really wanted to see them. Unfortunately, I had to go through my parents to see them, and my parents would not budge in letting me see them. Uh And, you know, good for them, because, yeah, some of those films were quite traumatizing. In fact, there was one film that came out just... Very briefly before I get to the review, when I was nine years old, there was a movie that came out in theaters called Cool World, which was a blend of live action and animation, kind of like Roger Rabbit. That film was rated PG-13. My parents wouldn't let me see that film, and now that I've actually seen it, I'm kind of glad they didn't, because that movie should have been rated R. I think it wasn't rated R because it didn't have as many cu- curse words in it, but it was kind of staggering the amount of sex in that movie. And while that does make it appealing for an adult crowd, yeah, it, sh- it shouldn't have been rated PG-13. But anyway, w- the point I'm trying to make is a movie like Strays that comes out, I don't know if the allure for kids wanting to see that movie is as great now as it was when I was a kid, you know, 30 years ago, over 30 years ago. And the reason I say that is because when I was a kid, uh, the internet wasn't as accessible, let alone fast as it is today. And we didn't have YouTube, so we couldn't look up even more explicit videos. So I I don't exactly know, but watching the movie strays, it's a movie that takes on sort of a similar kind of story as Lassie Benji, the incredible journey. Uh, The the latter of which was a Disney film, which wasn't the first live action film about actual animals rather than anthropomorphic ones. But Strays has the same kind of deal here. And the reason it's rated R is largely because of language, although there is some sexual content in it as well, a lot of it involving animals, which I don't think is any more explicit than what you'd see on the Discovery Channel or even on a lot of YouTube videos nowadays, but largely it earns its R rating because of the swearing. And as I was watching this film, I really began to think, was the swearing really all that necessary? Because it did sort of seem like the movie was taking on that sort of Benji kind of plot where there was a puppy who lost his way and there were friends of his who were trying to get him back home to his owner, which sounds like a kid's film, but then it almost seemed like they put Words like the F word, for example, which I'm not going to say because this is a family friendly show and I'm talking about an unfamily friendly movie. But it seemed like the dialogue was peppered with a lot of those swear words as if the screenwriters were saying, wait, this is way too family friendly. Just let's just add some more curse words. But the the film strays is live action with some. CGI to make the dog's mouths move and that effect is actually really good. I'm really glad that they used actual animals for this film rather than having it be completely CGI. The director of this film is Josh Greenbaum who's directed a couple of films. He's definitely no stranger to a comedies, and B, really strange movies. In fact, the movie that he directed before this, which probably would have been bigger if it hadn't been released during probably the worst of the pandemic, was a film that was called Barb and Star Go to Visit Del Mar, starring Kristen Wiig and Annie Momolo, both of whom actually acted in and starred in Bridesmaids, 10 years before Barb and Star, and it's a very strange movie, but it's also very funny, and I had a very good time seeing it. Strays is probably not as funny, but it does have its moments, and the main plot of Strays is about a border terrier whose name is Reggie, who's voiced by Will Ferrell, and he has an owner who really doesn't deserve him. Will Farrell plays Reggie like a very sweet natured and gullible dog. And Will Farrell is probably one of the only comedic actors, probably besides Steve Martin, who can do clean humor almost as well, if not as well as if he can do dirty humor. And Will Farrell does does a great job voicing this dog who's innocent from his head down to his paws. And Will Forte, another SNL alum like Will Ferrell, is Reggie's selfish and ruthless owner uh, who is more concerned with getting hits on bongs than he is about taking care of a dog, which kind of leads me to wonder how Reggie is able to feed himself if his owner doesn't really take care of him. But anyway... Reggie's adventure begins when Will Forte drives a considerable distance and throws a tennis ball wherever, just so Reggie can fetch it and just get out of his way. So Doug throws the ball, Reggie goes to fetch it, and Doug drives away. And... Will Forte's character Doug is so fed up with this border terrier coming back to him with the ball that he keeps going further and further distances to play a game that, that Will Ferrell calls catch and <clears throat> and the and I cleared my throat there because <laughs> the I'm, I'm blocking off a word so anyway Reggie eventually gets lost in the city as he's playing catch and. <clears throat> With his owner who's already driven away at this point and he befriends a streetwise boston terrier by the name of bug who's voiced by jamie fox and eventually the two of them wander this city which is never specified but they eventually befriend an australian shepherd by the name of maggie who's played by isla fisher who unlike most of her on-screen roles actually uses her natural australian accent And also a therapy Great Dane, whose name is Hunter, who's voiced by Randall Park. And the four of them join forces to get revenge on Doug, who eventually Reggie begins to realize has abandoned him rather than playing a very elaborate game. And... I liked the dynamic between the four dogs. I loved the juxtaposition between Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx, who I don't think have been in a movie previously, but they do very well voicing these dogs, and again, as the movie progresses and these four dogs begin to search for Reggie's owner, it does begin to resemble the plot of your typical Benji movie, or one of those live-action Walt Disney films of the 60s and 70s that take on a bit of a documentary feeling. And The Incredible Journey is, is one such movie. And the original Incredible Journey was not afraid to make you cry. The remake, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, which came out 30 years ago, A, had celebrity voices voicing the dogs, unlike the original incredible journey, and B, also kind of pulled a punch in terms of making you cry. But this film, Strays, might be one of those films that kids would want to see based on the cute dogs that are in it, but they shouldn't. And if you're a parent listening to this, don't let your child see this at least, uh, at least until maybe they're 15. There are, There is a lot of colorful language in here. There are also a lot of poop jokes, which I think would probably pass muster in a PG-13 rated movie. I think for adults who want to see this, they might find those jokes a little funny. For me, I found those jokes a little predictable, but there there was one joke that involved uh, bodily functions with the street wise rule of if you pee on it, you own it and there's one scene where all four of the main dogs actually pee on each other and that part probably made me the la- uh, laugh the loudest amongst all of them but strays had a bit more heart in in it thanks largely in part to will ferrell's voiceover performance than I anticipated that it would. It also was a really good adventure movie, which led me to believe that the it didn't really need the R rating. If it cleaned up its language, it would have probably been rated PG 13 or so. I would have liked to have seen Will Forte's character who's on screen be you know just as ruthless maybe without the language but i do think that if this film was had an had a little bit of an edge to it and was rated pg13 i think that it still would have been a, a better movie in fact it, it, I, It still would have been a good movie, maybe even a better movie, because it wouldn't have felt like the film would have tried so hard to be edgy. But as it is right now, Strays gets my rating of a checkout. I do think that it does have its funny moments, although I think that the film tries a little hard to be explicit, kind of the same way that Sausage Party did when that movie came out seven years ago. Sausage Party got some good reviews, but... I, I didn't really get into it because I thought that film was trying a lot harder to be explicit and more adult-oriented than Stray's was. And when it tried way too hard to be adult-oriented, it kind of lost what it was meant to have, which was a sense of humor. And I think Stray's edge towards that sometimes, but overall I did like the characters, especially the animal characters. I thought all four of the principal voice actors voiced them very well. I also really liked when they parodied some of those other dog movies, particularly the dog movies of late where the dog is being represented by a a voiceover actor. I, I liked that about Stray's, but I can't really see Stray's Turning into a franchise or even a movie with a sequel. But as it is, I liked it. And as I usually say with films to which I give a checkout, I didn't love it. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. The next movie I'm going to be reviewing for you is The Monkey King. This is a fully animated film that premiered on Netflix on August 18th, 2023. And it is inspired by the classic Ming Dynasty novel, Journey to the West. It's directed by Anthony Stacchi and it the voice of the titular Monkey King is Jimmy O Yang. As a matter of fact, a vast majority of the characters in this film, which takes place presumably in China, um, are voiced by Asian American or Asian or Asian American actors, which I really appreciate. Now granted, there have been some other Chinese influenced and kung Fu kung Fu, excuse me, Kung Fu uh, themed, animated films that have been very popular in America that did not have Asian America or not primarily Asian American actors in them that I did enjoy. Such examples include Kung Fu Panda and Kubo and the Two Strings. Both those films were excellent animated films, but I do appreciate when a movie that's based in China and dealing with Chinese folklore actually has Asian characters with Asian actors voicing these characters. I can really appreciate that because rest assured there aren't as many of those kinds of movies that are made usually in Hollywood. But anyway... The Monkey King is about a monkey that was born from a stone atop a tall mountain and disturbs the Jade Empire with rays of light emitting from his eyes. So eventually, the Emperor gives the order to have this monkey eliminated, but then Buddha, who's voiced by B.D. Wong, who might not be a household name, but he's been acting for decades in several movies and TV shows, Buddha eventually convinces the Jade Emperor to stay his hand and saying that the monkey will fulfill a very important destiny. So while the Jade Empire, uh, excuse me, Jade Emperor eliminates this monkey that was born from a stone, the monkey is sent out into the jungle in the real world to determine his place, ultimately finding that other monkeys in his jungle are not very receptive to him. So he eventually grows up, he learns some martial arts on his own and he eventually retrieves a staff from the bottom of the ocean which he finds is a very worthy asset to defeat a lot of villains that are above his skill level in terms of fighting and he eventually becomes a martial arts master he also becomes very arrogant and cocky but regardless he is still a sight to behold when he is actually fighting. So as I said previously, this character who's known as the Monkey King is voiced by Jimmy O. Yang. And there's another character from whom the Monkey King steals a staff called the Dragon King who's voiced by Bowen Yang, who made history for being the first and so far the only Asian American, or at least the only Chinese American to be a cast member on Saturday Night Live. But given the fact that we have the writer strike right now, and it doesn't look like the writer strike or the SAG-after strike is ending anytime soon, as of the date of this podcast, we won't be seeing Bo and Yang again on TV for quite some time. I'm very sorry to admit that to you. But anyway, the animation for this film is probably not up to the same level as some Disney movies, but it is better than a lot of DreamWorks films that have come out as of late, particularly the one about the Teenage Kraken, the Ruby Gilman Teenage Kraken movie. And I really loved the animation here, especially during a lot of the fight scenes. This movie definitely does go up to the DreamWorks level of Kung Fu Panda in terms of its animation, but as I said, not a lot of the DreamWorks films of late. And Jimmy O. Yang does a great job voicing the Monkey King. He is obnoxious. He is cocky. He he certainly has his his head in the clouds in in that regard. But he does actually have some likability, and he does make a very appealing character. Also, when you learn about how his life is from the time he was hatched out of this stone to how he is now and how virtually everyone from the mortal and the immortal realm has pretty much rejected him, you kind of can see how he becomes the character he does. And he does develop a reluctant friendship with a villager by the name of Lin, who's a human being, who's voiced by Jolie Huang Rappaport. And the dynamic between the two of them, her aspiring to be a great martial arts fighter and him wanting to get her off her back, is really good at first. And eventually they develop a friendship. And you also are kind of wondering, as the movie progresses, how the Monkey King is going to have his ultimate match, the one that really tests him. And the movie does throw a bunch of curveballs here and there in terms of who the villain is going to be. Is it going to be the person from whom he stole the staff or is it going to be somebody else? So this movie had a lot of creativity and I really appreciated the fact that it was an original film. Granted, it is based on a tale in Chinese folklore, but having something based on folklore as opposed to an actual book or a comic book is different because with the book and the comic book, the material is written down for you, and you could just sort of paint by numbers with some variations here and there. But when it's based on folklore, you do have somewhat of a template of what the character is supposed to be, but you can also come up with your own ideas, and very few people in the modern world will have a problem with that. And fortunately, I feel like this movie, which was written by three people, Steve Benchik, Ron Friedman, and Rita Shioh, The latter of whom is probably Asian, had a lot of great ideas here, and they've developed the characters here really well, in addition to having some excellent animation for a film that does not come from Disney or Illumination or any of those major studios. So I would not be surprised to see The Monkey King be nominated for Best Animated Feature at this coming Oscars, but primarily, it's not just its animation, it's also its. Great cast of primarily Asian or Asian-American actors. Also, it's deep, intricate characterization, even of people who just show up for about a minute on the screen. And also primarily it's storytelling that makes this film one of the best animated films of the year. And indeed, The Monkey King gets my rating of a knockout. I already told you exactly what worked from this movie so now I have to end the segment awkwardly by saying it's definitely a, a great film that you should see I would love to see it eventually on the big screen but on my TV at home on Netflix it does just fine back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. The next movie I'm going to be reviewing for you is Jules. This is a film that was released into theaters nationwide on August 11th, 2023, and compared to other more hyped films like the Barbie movie or Oppenheimer, or even the movie Strays, which I reviewed earlier in the show, it's unlikely that Jules will make a lot of ripples in the box office, but... It's a very quirky and interesting film, and it is also about old people, and it certainly has its draw in terms of its demographics. And it's a film that premiered at the Sonoma Film Festival on March 22nd and premiered in theaters nationwide, as I said, on August 11th of 2023. It's a film that stars Ben Kingsley as a 79-year-old widower whose name is Milton who lives on his own. And he lives in a relatively small town in Pennsylvania, although this this film was actually filmed on location in New Jersey, interestingly enough. And he frequently attends city council meetings, and he also receives help from his daughter, who is a veterinarian. And one day, a UFO lands in his backyard, and a small humanoid alien comes out. And he attempts to get help, calling the police and his daughter and bringing up at the city council meeting, but he is brushed off as senile. And this seems very uh, true to life, um, his being dismissed as senile. But eventually the feds, particularly the feds who are responsible for detecting alien life and also monitoring UFOs, eventually get word, but this is as Milton and his two friends, who are named Joyce, who's played by Jane Curtin, and Sandy, who's played by Harriet Sampson Harris, begin to befriend this alien whom they call Jules, and they begin to find that they need to protect him. So, thematically, the movie is a lot like E.T. As a matter of fact, I was going into this film sort of thinking that it would resemble the movie Cocoon. And fortunately, they sidestepped the comparisons to Cocoon because the movie Cocoon, which was directed by Ron Howard and had a lot of great older actors in it like Don Michi and Wilford Brimley, was also about people at a retirement home whom the outside world had largely forgotten, and they have encounters with extraterrestrial life, and because of this, they actually begin to have uh, a more more zest of life. They don't just wither away in retirement homes, they actually go out dancing and enjoy themselves. It's a very good movie, and fortunately, I'm glad that Jules didn't take that cocoon route, but At the same time, I did feel like it was going into the E.T. route of humans befriending a certain alien. But unfortunately, it seemed like Jules had a lot less of a personality than E.T. did. And I also felt like Jules didn't really have very much of a personality. And because it didn't have very much of a personality, I didn't feel that kind of protection Or that that sort of tension where I'd want the character to be protected. As a matter of fact, if the feds came in and dragged Jules away, I would think, well, at least he's in good hands, right? Even if he's being examined. And plus, even if he wasn't in good hands, what effect would that have on these three elderly people who are taking care of him? And there's also another scene where the three elderly people actually go into the UFO uh, when Jules is able to fix it for presumably himself. I don't know what sex this alien is or this gender, but either way he's trying to fix the UFO and get back to his home planet. But once they get into the UFO and it flies away, The result is actually pretty anticlimactic, and I wanted to see a lot more from this UFO trip that happens near the end. And maybe I'm spoiling it a little bit when I say that not very much of it happens, and it does sort of end on a questionable note, both with its lack of special effects and also the dubious decisions of Milton and his two female friends once the ship has reached its destination and i i really felt like this movie could have had more maybe it could have ventured into some of the same plot developments as et and i doubt it and and in fact if the alien had been eating reese's pieces it would have undoubtedly been labeled a ripoff of E.T., but I feel like even when sidestepping some of those plot developments that E.T. had, Jules could have been so much more. It's not a movie that I hated, but I still give Jules my rating of a strikeout because I feel like this movie pulled a punch in terms of plot when it came to what this alien could do, what it could do for these caretakers who are taking them in and also some of the decisions that Milton, the character played by Ben Kingsley also makes. And there's also one scene that sort of comes out of nowhere where Jane Curtin's character sings the song Freebird out loud. There's really not a very good setup to it. She just kind of sings it and it is during one of the climactic moments here, but the reason she sings it is also really unclear added to the fact that there are some decidedly draggy points in Jules with, where a movie that has a, a plot about a, a UFO that crashes in somebody's backyard, none of this should actually be boring. So Jules was a little bit of a letdown for me, and I think it could have been better, especially when the people who were taking this alien in are older, they should be going on some sort of journey that should dazzle a lot of viewers of various ages, especially older people. But this movie didn't get a lot of dazzle from me. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. And now that I've reviewed all the movies that I have to review for you for this show, it's now time for me to get into my final segment, which is called What's Coming Up Next. This is a spoken word segment, which is dedicated to the movies that are subject to being released in theaters and or on streaming, if I have time for that, for the week of August 20th through August 25th. 2023 and there are a number of films that are coming out on friday august 25th 2023 in theaters the first film is a film that came out in select theaters and i know this because it came out recently near me in nashville and the movie is called Grand turismo this is based on the unbelievable inspiring true story of a team of underdogs a struggling working-class gamer, a failed former race car driver, and an idealistic motorsport exec who risk it all to take on the most elite sport in the world. Now, this is a film that I know the guy who comes after me, Will Reynolds, will absolutely love. As for me, first of all, I know this is one of the seven major plots in Hollywood about underdogs who don't have a dog in the fight who go on the fight anyway. But this movie does have a very impressive cast. David Harbour stars in it, along with Orlando Bloom, who we haven't seen in a while. And some of the other well-known actors I know in this film include Simon Hunso, who I think is the one who plays the executive at the uh, Gran Turismo. And there are various other people of many nationalities who are in this film. Um, A lot of Europeans, a lot of Asians, so it's it looks like it could be one of those predictable films, but it's one of those films that I've kind of skipped over, but I'm interested in seeing it, and if I see it, I'll let you know what I think on a future show, presumably on next week's show. Another film that is subject to being released in theaters on August 25th is a film that I know is going to be released nationwide or at least it's subject to be. And the film is called Bottoms. And this is a movie about two unpopular queer high school students who start a fight to have sex before graduation. Starting a fight, oh, starting a fight club. Oh, this, this makes even less sense. Okay, so let me read the synopsis again. Two unpopular queer high school students start a fight club to have sex before graduation. I don't know how that works. Why is it a fight club? Why doesn't, why isn't it just a club? I, I don't know. But anyway, um, the movie does have a particularly interesting premise. I don't know if it's a premise that's going to work, but the stars of the film include Nicholas Galitzine, Ayo Edebiri, Gagmara, uh, Dominsky and Rachel Senate amongst other people. And the only actor that I know amongst the principal ones that I read is Ayo Etabiri. And I I know her from a couple of films in which I've seen her, including the newest Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. She also was one of the voices in the movie Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which is another one of those Marvel Comics movies that so far has gotten great reviews, including a review from a great review from Yours Truly. And she's been in some other uh, notable TV shows recently of, as well, including one very popular one called The Bear, which I haven't seen. She was also in one episode of Black Mirror, and she's also been in uh, What We Do in the Shadows, where she's also a producer. So she's very young. She, I mean... Let me see what year she was born in. Uh, she's actually from Boston, which is even better. She's only 28 years old, or she's 27. She'll be 28 this year. But, man, she's she's had an impressive roster of movies and TV shows in which she's added, I th- in which she's acted. And I think she's made a great April O'Neil. She's kind of reinvented that character. So based on that, I'd be willing to give Bottoms uh, a chance I don't know how good a movie it's going to be, but it will probably be a movie that I will see for you and review for you on a future show, presumably next week's show. Another movie that is subject to being released in theaters is a movie that's called Retribution. And this film, I'm sorry to say, stars Leslie, uh, excuse me, Liam Neeson. I almost said Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen is dead. This movie stars Liam Neeson and... Honestly, if they dug up Leslie Nielsen and had him be the character here, it would probably be a lot more of an interesting film. But Retribution is a film about a bank bank executive who receives a bomb threat while driving his children to school that his car will explode if they stop and get out. So this film is a lot like Speed, except the difference is that with Speed, everybody had to stay on the bus. And it couldn't go below a certain mileage per hour in a city, which is very, very hard to do. So Retribution sounds a bit more original than some of the other films in which um, Liam Neeson has acted lately. And just to give you an idea how fed up I am of Liam Neeson's choices of movies as of late, and I should you know really applaud Liam Neeson for being the age that he is and still being active in films and i would if his movies weren't so cliche and making the same sort of mistake that Liam Neeson has to be tough as nails and he also still has to have his irish accent without anything in the film even detailing his how he got to america from ireland and so many movies he's acted in recently have made this mistake And Liam Neeson has unfortunately been reduced to a lot of these roles that seem fit for Charles Bronson, another actor who has passed on, but his repertoire of late were these same sort of cliched action movies. But if you're interested, Liam Neeson stars in this film along with M. Beth Davids, who probably plays his long-suffering ex-wife, Matthew Modine, who probably plays the villain, and some of the other actors in the film include Noma Dumaswini, Jack Champion, Aryan Moyed, and Emily Kush. So, this film, Retribution, <coughs> which doesn't even have a good name, or at least an, a memorable name, will probably be released in theaters on Friday, August 25th. They will probably be released in the theater near you. Will it be a film that I'll see? I might, but I'm not going to go out of my way to see this film. It's just going to be the same. It seems like the same old Liam Neeson crap, but I give every movie a chance. A movie is good until proven bad. So I might see this one, but again, it's not going to be high on my priority list. Another film that is subject to being released in theaters on August 25th is a film that looks like it might be an Oscar contender. And this film is called Golda. And apparently, there's been some... Advertisement that I've seen that Golda will be released in theaters for one night only. But I don't know because it seems way too good a premise to have in theaters for one night only. But Golda focuses on the intensely dramatic and high stakes responsibilities and decisions that Golda Meyer, also known as the Iron Lady of Israel, faced during the Yom Kippur War. And I wish I could tell you that I was an authority on such events that happened in Israel, but I honestly don't know very much about the Yom Kippur War. I know what Yom Kippur is, but I'm looking it up right now. The Yom Kippur War, also known as the Ramadan War, so we can kind of get a sense of who fought in this war, is um, a war that took place from October 6th to October 25th. 1973, between Israel and a coalition of Arab states led by Egypt and Syria. So it wasn't with Palestine, as I might have uh, suspected. But the majority of combat between the two sides took place in the Sinai Peninsula and the Golan Heights, both of which were occupied by Israel in 1967, with some fighting in African Egypt and northern Israel. So this was a turf war on a global scale. And it took place during the Jewish holy day of Yom Kippur, where you're not supposed to eat, let alone supposed to fight. So the woman involved in this, Golda Meyer, is played in this movie by Helen Mirren. And she was the Prime Minister of Israel from 1969 to 1974. So, as you might imagine, she had a lot to bear on her shoulders, figuratively speaking. And as I said, Academy Award winner Helen Mirren is playing Meir in this film. And some people might have a problem with her playing, presumably, a Jewish woman. I don't, but especially Helen Mirren... May not always be in great movies, but she is usually one of the actresses who you can tell gives her all in every performance in which she acts. And this seems like a pivotal career-making role for Helen Mirren. And that's saying a lot, especially considering that she not only played the Queen of England, who recently passed away, God rest Queen Elizabeth's soul, but she won an Academy Award for playing Queen Elizabeth II. So this is another one of the roles that will probably define Helen Mirren's acting career for better or for worse. It looks like it's a contender. I'm not saying whether or not it's going to be a great movie because this could be one of those films that lets me down, but it's a film that I will likely check out and I'll let you know what I think on a future show. There are two other films that are likely to be released in limited release, in theaters nationwide, but again, I'm not saying whether or not they will be released in a theater near you. I am saying that they are subject to being released on August 25th. One of them is called The Hill. This is a film that stars Dennis Quaid, and it's the remarkable true life story of Ricky Hill's improbable journey to play Major League Baseball. Now, Dennis Quaid has been in a movie like this before. He was in a Disney film called The Rookie, which came out about 20 years ago. The only difference is, in this film, Dennis Quaid is the star of the film, but he's not the one who's going out for Major League Baseball. He's officially too old for this, but he plays the father of the player who goes against the odds, and this player, whose name is Ricky Hill, is played by Colin Ford in this film. And there are some other familiar actors in this film, like, for example, Scott Glenn and Bonnie Bedelia. This is one of those films that might be a faith-based film, and there's nothing wrong with that. I've seen some good faith-based films, but I'd be interested to see how this movie is. Uh, If I see it, I'll let you know what I think on a future show. I'm more enthusiastic to see that film than I am to see another action film with Liam Neeson. But in any event, the last film that is subject to being released in theaters is a film that's called Warrior King. It is a fully animated film, and there is no plot that's being given to me right now. So it's unlikely that this will be a film that I will see in theaters, but it might come out at the Belcourt Theater, which is the closest movie theater near me, and the cast list is actors with whom I'm... Not familiar, but they are mostly American actors, or at least actors who speak English. I don't know, but The Warrior King is a film that if I see it, I'll let you know what I think on a future show. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I'm your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. And now that I've A, reviewed all the movies that I had to review for you for this show, and B, given you a spoken word preview of the movies that are subject to being released in theaters on August 25th, 2023, it's now time to go into my next segment of what's coming up next, which is where I go over the films that are subject to being released on streaming platforms for the week of August 20th through August 25th. 2023, and there are two series that are going to be premiering on Netflix on Tuesday, August 22nd. One is Lighthouse, which is a series premiere, and another one is called Untold Volume 3. Their finale is going to air on Netflix, and I'm not going to get into the details of that, those movies, but I'm just letting you know. And I have a lot of Netflix original films on which to catch up. I really want to see the film Heart of Stone, which stars Gal Gadot and some other well-known actors. It's, it's a film that I've started watching, but I haven't seen enough of it to review for you on this show. But maybe I'll review it for you next week. But that movie came out on August 11th, 2023, and I just didn't have time to watch it. But amongst the movies that are coming out on Wednesday, August 23rd, there is one movie that's called Squared Love Everlasting. And it definitely has an interesting title. I don't know what Squared Love means, let alone Squared Love Everlasting, but it looks like this is a sequel. So it's one that I will likely not be seeing. But according to my notes, this is the third Squared Love film. And the original Squared Love film is available for viewing on Netflix. This is one of those films that passed me by. So it's unlikely I'll see that, but just for your information, in this third Squared Love film, Monica and Enzo's whirlwind romance head tor- heads towards a fairy tale ending until a bombshell revelation changes everything. This sounds like the plot of a typical soap opera, but this is a film that is directed by Philip Zilber who is a Polish director, and this is presumably a Polish movie. So even though this is a film that is premiering on Netflix as a Netflix original, I won't see it because I have a rule about sequels. I have to see the original first. I've broken that rule a few times, but it's unlikely that I'll be going out of my way to see Squared Love Everlasting. But if you want to see it, it's premiering on Netflix on Wednesday, August 23rd. And there are two other films that are not Netflix originals. These are theatrically released films that I have seen, and I recommend one highly, and I recommend another marginally. The first one is The Big Short, which is the first dramatic film that Adam McKay directed. It's one of his best films, and largely I applaud Adam McKay's repertoire, except for the film Don't Look Up, because that film was a mess. But The Big Short is an excellent film. Christian Bale, Stephen, excuse me, Steve Carell, they're excellent in the film. Uh, Ryan Gosling, he's another one that, that acts really well in it. Brad Pitt, uh, Finn Wittruff, they they all act very well in it. It's a very, it's a film about a very complicated topic, but it also adds a little bit of a tongue to otherwise very dry material, but it's an excellent film, one of the best films of the year it came out, which I think was 2015, so I recommend it if you haven't seen it, but because I've already seen it and I've already reviewed it on the show, I won't review it again, and I spoke earlier about Sausage Party, comparing it to Strays, and it's a film I didn't love, but it's it's appearing on Netflix on Wednesday, August 23rd, maybe some other people will love it more than I did, but I'm just letting you know that it's appearing on Netflix on Wednesday, August 23rd. On Thursday, August 24th, there are no Netflix original films, so uh, there are series that are going to be premiering, like Who Is Aaron Carter? Um, Aaron spelled E-R-I-N, so it's not about the former quarterback of... Oh, that's Aaron Rodgers. I was going to say the former quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. (laughs) That's not Aaron Carter. Yeah. So anyway... Who is Aaron Carter is a series that's going to be premiering on Netflix on Thursday, August 24th. Look out for it. And as for movies that are going to be appearing on Netflix, there are only two. Um, And it's interesting because they look like very good films or at least very interesting premises. The first one is a Netflix original that's called Killer Book Club. And I'm already intrigued because will this be a comedy? Will it be a horror film? I don't know. But it looks to be a foreign film, and the poster of this film is decidedly creepy. This is about eight horror-loving friends who fight for their lives when a killer cr- clown who seems to know the grim secret they share begins to pick them off one by one. So this is a horror film, and it's a thriller, and it's also not an American film. The director of this film is Carlos Alonso Oyeha, who is... Um, from Spain, and he was educated at the ESCAC school in Barcelona. He's a young guy. He's was, he was only 34 years old. So I'm interested in seeing this film, and certainly a lot of foreign films have some appeal. But if I see it, I'll let you know what I think on a future show, presumably next week's show. And the other movie that I know is American – is a movie that stars Adam Sandler. And before you judge this film, uh, based on the fact that it's from Happy Madison Productions, the film is titled, You Are So Not Invited to My Bar Mitzvah. And I love the title of this film, and I think that Adam Sandler is usually at his best when he embraces his Jewish faith. But this film is about Stacy, uh, a girl by the name of Stacy Friedman, who is obviously Jewish, and it follows her as she prepares for her bat mitzvah. Excuse me, I, I said the title of this film wrong. The, the title is, You Are So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah, Not Bar Mitzvah. And I'm not Jewish, but I know enough to know that bar mitzvahs are for boys who become men, and bat mitzvahs are for girls who become women in the eyes of the Jewish faith. So Stacey Friedman is becoming a woman at the age of 13, and she prepares for her bat mitzvah, but her plans comedically unravel and threaten to ruin the event. So this is obviously a coming-of-age film. Adam Sandler stars as um, her father, Danny Friedman, and Stacey Friedman in this film is played by Sonny Sandler, who I know is Adam Sandler's daughter, presumably with... um, Adam Sandler's current wife, Jackie Sandler. But what's curious is that Jackie Sandler does not play or presumably doesn't play um, Sonny Sandler's character's mother. She plays a character whose name is Gabby Rodriguez-Katz, who might be Adam Sandler's ex-wife in this film. I don't exactly know. But a lot of members of the Sandler clan are acting in this film which may or may not be a good thing. There's obviously the case of nepotism, but again, I don't know. It's it's about a bat mitzvah, and also, which there haven't been many mainstream movies that have ma- been made about such a, an event, not even about bar mitzvahs. So I'm very curious to see how this movie is. And Adam Sandler is usually at his best when he's not hating on demographics. Of course, Adam Sandler is very kind to the Jews, as you might expect, but I've seen a lot of his films, not, not necessarily the ones in which he's acted, but the ones in which he has produced or even written. Uh, he doesn't take kindly to people from Boston. He is sometimes very hateful towards women in a very junior high kind of way. He has been known for being very hateful towards gay people. And recently, over the last 10 years, he's fortunately backed away from that. But again, I'm going to give this movie a chance. Because again, I've had problems with Adam Sandler films like I've had problems with Liam Neeson films. But unlike Liam Neeson, Adam Sandler is at least A, reverting from the ways of his previous films. And B, he's at least trying other things that are new in addition to C, also being open to his Jewish faith. And I respect all of that. So I'm going to give this movie a chance. And also, in addition to Adam Sandler and several of his relatives, other stars of this movie include Adina Menzel, with whom Adam Sandler co-starred in one of Adam Sandler's best films, um, Uncut Gems, for which Adam Sandler should have been nominated for an Academy Award. But also, um, Jackie Hoffman, Louise Guzman also act in this movie. This is a movie I will try to see. And if I see it, I'll let you know what I think on a future show. Well, that's all the time I have for this episode of Words on Film. I always love talking about movies and I hope you liked what you heard. If you did, please subscribe and rate the show and leave comments if you can. I would love to get your feedback, even if it's more criticism than praise. This has been Words on Film. I'm Dan Burke, and until my next episode, I'll see you at the movies.